What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Ben here to introduce this rip of Tales from the Crypt. It's an important one, one that dives deep. I sat down with Texas Slim from the Texas Beef Initiative to talk about food, our food supply, how it's been bastardized over the last 50 years, how we're being poisoned, and how he's working to fix it by uh, leading an initiative down here in Texas, particularly to get individuals, retails, retailers, if you will, to get acquainted with ranchers, buy meat directly from ranchers, get their beef from the source. There's a Bitcoin play here, too. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App's helping you stack sets, send sets, receive sets, and sell sets, if you so please. Sats are the standard within the app. Cash App makes it very easy to stack sets. It can also be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. We got, like, Max for stopping, Make the Stallion, Marty Bent, Man of Team Cash App's pretty fuego. Get the boost card. I just saw, I just sent money last night over the cash app and says now you can send over cash and Bitcoin. Make it very easy there if you want to. If you haven't downloaded the cash app yet, make sure you do so using the code stacking sats. That's S T A C K I N G S A T S. Stacking sats. You're going to get $10. $10 going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Woo! was also brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody, okay? They have their collaborative custody model. It's personified. Personified. It's, it's, personified is the wrong word. Why do you say personified, Marty, you idiot? Whatever. They have their Vault product, which is a two or three multi-sig. It's collaborative custody again. What does collaborative custody mean? It means that you have two keys and Unchained has one keys in the two or three multi-sig setup. It's collaborative custody because you're collaborating with them. You will have full control of your Bitcoin if you have your two keys. You can always move your Bitcoin out of the vault. Uh, however, if you're in a pension, you need Unchained to be that second in the two or three multi-sig. They're there for you. They've got their white glove concierge service. It's going to get you from zero to having a vault set up with a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in it. <clears throat> uh, the concierge service comes with, comes with multiple... Video conference calls are going to get you comfortable with multi-sig. They're going to get you comfortable with the vault. They're going to get you hardware wallets. They're going to get those set up. They're going to get you comfortable with creating a private public key pair, backing up the seed phrase associated with those hardware wallets, and you're going to set up your vault. You're going to figure out how to back up your derivation pass, and then again, you're going to get a 1,000 cuck bucks worth of sats dumped in the vault. Again, this is eliminate single points of failure. If you have your coins on an exchange, that is a single point of failure. If you have it on a single sig, single point of failure. Unchained's here to help you with that. Go check this out at Unchained.com. If you do want the concierge service, tell them that TFTC sent you and you're going to get $50 off. Uh, if you just want a consultation to figure out what's, you know, want to jump right into the package, you just want to learn more, they're doing free one-on-one consultations. You can reach out there too. Find out more at Unchained.com. Check out their blog. Check out everything else they have to offer. Uh, it's a beautiful company. This rip was brought to you by... Our good friends at Compass Mining as well. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals hashing. They want more individual ownership of hash rate, more plebs mining, if you will. <clears throat> the way they make this easy is you go to compassmining.io. You can buy an ASIC, and you have multiple options when you buy that ASIC. You can send it to your house uh, and mine at home. And guess what? Compass has an at-home mining team to support you as you look to plug your ASIC in. There's a bit 
a bit of nuance when you get an ASIC, okay? You need to figure out the specific electrical infrastructure necessary to actually plug it in and run it. Uh, you need to figure out how to get into the machine, uh, get into its IP address and point it at a pool, and then how to set that pool up and get SAT streaming to a wallet of your choice. So the at-home mining team is there. The support team from Compass is there to help you set that up. If you don't want to mine at home, they have partnerships with hosting facilities with competitive electricity rates. So you can buy an ASIC on a Compass, and then you pick a hosting facility. They just announced that they uh, they have a big partnership with the hosting facility up in Ontario. They will be adding 140 megawatts of capacity. So there should be some some room up there soon. Uh yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Compass is trying to get more individuals into mine. Go to compassmining.io. Check all of this out. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains. Brains is the team behind Slushable and their team behind Brains OS Plus firmware. The auto-tuning firmware that helps you stack more sats with your ASICs. If you have an ASIC that is compatible with the Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table, freaks. It's as simple as that. You go to brains.com, that's B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com to figure out what models uh, Brains OS Plus firmware is available for. Uh, again, they're the team behind Slushbull. Slushbull had some pretty great upgrades over the summer, uh, which included the ability to create payout thresholds, uh, bigger or smaller. You can have uh, splits if you have a mining operation, you're... you're with multiple people uh, and you, you don't want to do like the splits yourself so you can set up percentages to split it automatically via the slush pool ui it's a beautiful thing they have dark theme as well and brains is hiring if you're a rust developer a system admin if you work with hardware they're looking for smart people smart bitcoiners they're a dedicated bitcoin only company i would love to work for them unfortunately i am too dumb i am too dumb edward evenson just he looks at me and he says what a fucking idiot what an idiot I can't believe I had to deal with this guy. Ed says it to me every time. He like it's, it's. I'm like Ed. I'm sorry. I'm just here trying to help Bitcoin. He's like, yeah. God bless the people. Who listen to you. Go to brains.com. B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Check out all this. They have mining profitability tools. They have blog. Uh, they have they have blog. They have blog. Ed's shaking his head right now. They have a blog that dives deep into mining topics, um, tutorials, and all that. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. You can follow them on Twitter, too, at Brains underscore Systems. Enjoy this Rip Freaks. It's an important one. Tiki! You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. What's up, freak? Sitting here recording a podcast before we hit record, so I just ninja launched the record. Sitting with Texas Slim. What's going on, sir? How you doing, sir? Uh, it's a beautiful day in Austin, Texas. I'm uh, doing well. Thank you for braving the uh, chilly weather with me. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice, isn't it? And it is. I like the fresh air, open air office. It's uh, it's nice. It's better than a stuffy house. The only thing we're missing is a fire pit right now. Right. But we'll get there later. No, I think I'm gonna. I'm trying to decide. Do I get like a full on open fire pit or one of those like stainless steel smokeless ones that are that are popular these days? You go old school. Yeah. I'm digging 
dig a hole in your backyard. That's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> just put a just put a bunch of stones around it. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. I didn't know, I didn't know there was any other way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's in my my parents' house. That's what we did in our backyard. I gotta I got renting this house. So I gotta figure out if they'll let us. Yeah, let us dig a dig a hole here. They probably won't, but you know, do it first and then get told. Yeah, you know, told no. Yeah, so. don't ask for permission. That's kind of how we are in the Bitcoin world, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's kind of have to be our philosophy. Yeah. It's got to be our philosophy in the, the agriculture world now, too. Uh, yeah, it's actually, it's, you know, it started in a lot of ways that a lot of people don't understand. And um, it's kind of beautiful to go out and talk to these ranchers and stuff, you know, that I'm doing with the Texas Beef Initiative. And they've got a head start on a lot of things. One thing that they're, they are kind of missing out on is the macro viewpoint of everything. Yeah. So before we dive into Texas Beef Initiative and everything, let's learn a little bit about you. I mean, you've had a storied past, from what I can tell, reading your newsletter and sure. reading your tweets. And I guess we can talk about your past and how you ended up where you are today, really focused on this Texas Beef Initiative and trying to educate people about food security. Yeah. Um, well, it is a, it, it's a it's interesting story. It comes from um, the the great high plain desert region of texas which is the panhandle they call it the llano estacado and um it's a rough and rugged type of place um i'm a seventh generational texan and my uh grandfather farmed the lands up there in the panhandle and he was he family originated out of there or kind of pioneered their way into the panhandle in the late 1800s we originally came from down south Texas, which most people did that early on. I'm a seventh generational Texan. So I grew up in a small town called Canyon, Texas. It's uh, it's about 10 miles away from the second largest canyon in the United States. A lot of people don't realize it. Mm -hmm. What we have up there is we have wind, we have dirt, we have agriculture, and we have cows. <laughs> <laughs> the basics. The basics. It's, uh, you know, it's it was one of the biggest and uh, most popular uh, cattle drives and it was it was something that was pioneered out of the west it was a, a place called camacheria which the uh, spanish named it that because of the comanche indians mm -hmm. and a lot of times people don't understand about the the comanches but it, there was a during the 1800s mid all the way from the 1830s up to the 1870s you know the comanches ruled half of texas yeah and so after the comanche wars in 1870 um we started migrating to that part of Texas. Yeah, Will Cole and uh, Parker Lewis they actually gave me like a, a bit of a history lesson on the Comanches and how um, they ruled. And it wasn't the pistol sort of uh, that was the that was the deal breaker. That's what did them in, right? Well, what happened was um, the Texas Rangers were basically they were they're okay. They were kind of fledgling, and they they needed to understand how to fight differently because they they got off their horse. So there was a Texas Ranger, and he kind of studied the Comanches. And um, he said, well, we got to stay on a horse, but, you know, we don't have enough. we got to reload. we got to do all this. So the Colt five-shooter came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was, that was the turning point. And then they figured out, the Texas Rangers figured out, said, the only way we're going to fight a Comanche is to fight like a Comanche. Because mm -hmm. they would hang under their horses sure. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, they could shoot 10 arrows within 30 seconds. And, you know, we ne we always had to reload, reload. But the five-shooter came out, so you had 10 shots. Mm -hmm. And so you could actually 
learn if you learned how to ride like a Comanche, you're you're going to be able to fight like a Comanche with the Colt. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a fascinating story. I like. And then there the, really is, and I'll you know I'll, I'll send out a. There's a great storyline. It's a podcast. The guy does, and it has a lot of the Texas history and stuff mm-hmm. that people can catch up on. Yeah, because there was something else in the story too about like 24. Like they would ride horses, and they would get to like a pit stop and hop on another horse, and yeah. just be able to get from northern Texas to southern Texas very quickly. Exactly. They they pioneered a lot. They they pioneered a lot of communication structures too mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't realize. Some of our um, signaling and kind of how our backbone of communications in the military was started with the uh, Texas Rangers in a roundabout way. Um, they used to have lantern signaling and it was while they were exchanging horses, like you said, they could really cover a lot of ground and, and do a lot of different type of uh, signaling through lanterns at night. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it, you can go deep within the Texas Rangers, that part of Texas and how we had to overcome the Comanche Wars to, before we could establish it and start really, you know, tilling the ground and basically rounding up all the cattle that had spread during the Civil War. And uh, that's kind of how the cattle industry started in that part of Texas. Mm -hmm. Overcoming the Comanches, rounding up the cattle, started doing cattle drives after the Civil War to feed the nation. Mm -hmm. And basically Texas was established by by the cow. By the cow? Yep. And so what what is a cattle drive? I I just, I've never, so it sounds like you've just raise cattle and then drive them around the country to feed people? Or? Yeah. Uh, back in the day, what they did, Charles Goodnight and Oliver Loving, they're really um, two of the basically guys that people really know. Uh, they they actually, they're the two guys that Lonesome Dove, the movie, was made about. Mm-hmm. We would do, uh, down here in the central Texas area, we had it's very good grasslands. Mm-hmm. We know that. And uh, what they would do is they'd round up, you know, thousand two hundred three hundred whatever and they would basically start a cattle drive and it started to like a fort system for the military and so they would just harsh out a, um, a basically a path and then they would follow that path and you know it was just 24 7 you're just driving cattle mm-hmm. in a way that had to be organized you had to you know you had to have scouts you had to have communication structures and um, so they would just get you know the protein supply to the military and then, you know, military comes in, they establish the land. And so uh, once the land is established, then you have small towns. And so the cattle drives just kept on growing and growing. The demand for beef kept on growing and growing. And, uh, you know, it started in Texas, moved out to New Mexico, Colorado, you know, Kansas, all over the place. Then it went up to Chicago. It was a big one because mm-hmm. the rail, railroad came in. And mm-hmm. so once the railroad, you take it to basically, if you know, slaughterhouse where they get harvested and then they would you know take them up by rail or they would do live you know hauling as well so chicago was pivotal kansas city was pivotal and it was kind of you know that's where they would send them off in every direction yeah it makes sense because some of the best steakhouses are in chicago there you go yeah that's exactly and that's a good you know barbecue from steakhouses Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. if you're going to be in those cities that's where you can find the best food yeah and so the way you're describing like these these uh, migrations of cattle and how they would just roam the grassland, I mean that's the way it should be done, right? Like we're talking about regenerative farming, right? Like open grazing. It seems to have been a lost art that's somewhat coming back now. Yeah, I mean it. It was the only way. I mean, 
up until what the fuck happened in 1971. Um, it's how everything was done, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, we lost the value of the dollar. We lost the value of our, of our food. We lost the value of the cattle. We lost the value of the land because what they started doing is, you know, we went fence to fence and agricultural with uh, Eric Butts, you know, the Nixon administration. But it was the only way to be done for a thousand years was to do regenerative farming and ranching. I mean, I don't know why any most people can't understand that. It's actually just as productive. It's it's ten times more healthy for you. It's it's usually chemical free up to as much as it can be. So it's it's how things are done. And there's a lot of guys out there. And I'm you know I've been doing a lot of uh, reconnaissance and research. I'm meeting a lot of fascinating characters that are bringing it back, especially in the state of Texas. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense, right? Like, it, yes. Like, if you're going to feed as many people as possible and do it in the healthiest way, like, why not let them run free? And it's, it, it makes so much sense. You know, I've, I've seen some ranches, they don't have 400 acres. Mm-hmm. They have small pots and land, and they can push out, you know, 100 cattle. And what they do is they, they you know, they treat the land and they treat the cattle in a way that is natural and they just keep it moving. It's just a cycle and it follows the seasons. It follows everything that we're about. It follows the source of the seed. And it's amazing to watch and to see it play out. Yeah. It's, so how do we lose our connection with this form of farming, which is again, thousands of years old, like how in 50 years, have, it seems like there's somewhat of like amnesia with most of the country. I mean, you yeah. want one word? Yeah. Monsanto. Monsanto? Okay, yeah. let's get Mon- into it. Monsanto is a chemical company. It's a chemical company that basically was about to fail. And it was around the 1900s. Monsanto got a business deal with Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. They're out of Georgia. They delivered the caffeine to Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola need a lot of caffeine for their drink. And um, that's a whole new podcast. I'm not going to go there. Monsanto was a chemical company that got a lot of leverage within chemicals. Mm-hmm. And basically doing chemical manipulation into our everyday lives. Monsanto basically created uh, Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly the the chemical it is but it's the dangerous one we know all that well they migrated all the way up to where they could actually manipulate chemicals to get into our food supplies and that's basically what they are now is a chemical company that is running our food supply mm-hmm. and um like i say, i'm not going to go way deep into monsanto it's too much information but they're now owned by bear mm-hmm. which is a medical, medical company, company. Yeah. so i always talk about impact the medical, pharmaceutical, agricultural complex. They're all in cahoots with each other. And um, so basically chemical companies are generating our food supply. And so their incentive, right? They, like they want to get their chemicals in as much of the food supply as possible mm-hmm. to make as much money as possible. And so, that I mean, they've, I, from the little that I know, it seems like they've lobbied the government to, to force people towards like these shit foods, like seed oils and stuff like sure. that. Like, the food pyramid that was pushed on the public yeah. uh, uh, in the 70s. I grew up, like, I had to remember taking health class and having to learn about the food pyramid where you have bread and all these seeds right. at the base. And then you move up and like steaks, like second from the top or something like that below candy. Yeah. And basically that started, 
a little backstory. Dwight Eisenhower had a heart attack in 1954. Mm-hmm. Heart disease was not a thing before that. People didn't talk about it. It just was not a thing. Why did our president, the warrior soldier that he is, why is this man having a heart attack? Well, they started looking at it, and there was a guy named Ansel Keys, and he started doing studies in the 60s about cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Well, he had some good uh, bullshit to him, and he had some people in the government that like to listen to him. I've, uh, I've talked to Saifedina Moose about uh, Ansel Keys. He's, he's not a fan of him. No, the dude was a salesman, and he, he was a very good bureaucrat. He, he knew how to stroke a bureaucrat's you know, ego. Mm-hmm. And so he got a lot of leverage. And so nobody ever brought up that Dwight D. Eisenhower smoked four freaking packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. They just said, oh, he eats too much meat. So they leveraged that mm-hmm. because, you know, people were paying attention. So now we have an angle. We have leverage. Well, uh, let's, you know, let's, everything comes in about a decade period. Well, they, they got the leverage on the, on the cholesterol movement. Mm-hmm. They were able to embed it in the institutions in a way that we see today still. And so by doing that, you know, let's talk, go back to, you know, the chemical companies. Whenever you can convince a people that they're unhealthy and that the chemical solution is going to be, the, be basically the best path to health, you can create 10,000 chemicals. Monsanto is a chemical company that has thousands upon thousands of chemicals. Before 1971, we did not have chemicals in our food supply. Mm -hmm. We had a few, yes, of course. But then they said, you're going to go fence to fence. You're going to use pesticides. You're going to use herbicides. It's going to make your, you know, you don't have to fight off. You don't have to hoe cotton anymore. You can just spray it. It's going to help you with your cost of labor. You know, they had every angle taken care of. And that's when the fat fiction started as well. So they started off with something called the rapeseed, which is canola. 1956, FDA basically outlawed it, said it was not good for, it's not uh, suitable for human consumption. So they basically created a fake commodity around canola. And by doing that, they were able to say, animal fat is bad for you (laughs) that's it it's that simple it doesn't have to be any more complicated and once you said seed oils once you got one seed oil you got a thousand seed oils now that you can go out there create a whole new industry from any type of we'll see cotton now they do cotton seed oil and people are frying their food in cotton seed oil which is industrial crap in a lot of ways was there anybody pushing back against this when uh, sure. They got all, they, they basically, there was a big study that was done and I, I'm sorry, I don't have the name for it. It was up in, uh, I believe it was Minnesota. It was, um, but they, they had a study where they had people that were in a controlled consumption environment. I believe they were retired senior, senior citizens that had a good longevity of life. And they did a study on vegetable oils and on animal fat. One fifty percent got vegetable oil completely in there as far as their cooking, their frying, everything, you know, and the other people had the animal fat in their diets. Well, they found out that the people with vegetable oil died uh, earlier. They had more heart disease, 
everything. That thing got covered up for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of studies, yes, but institutions covered them up. Yes, they they get covered up pretty easy, and especially to this day, by the fake fiat dollar and the fake value of the fiat dollar. I mean, it's not it's not complicated. No, it's a, it's a really once your eyes are open to it, like right for me personally, like mm-hmm. I ate a bunch of shit for most of my life, and I, every once in a while I do cave and like I'll eat a, a, sure. a cheeseburger from In and Out or something like that. But like I cut carbs out of my diet and lost a shit ton of weight and just like went to like eggs and bacon steak uh coffee water and, and a drink every once in a while and yeah like, it's, well you know let's you just spelled out perspective <laughs> let's talk about perspective this is not freaking ocdc obsessive compulsive disorder when it comes to food it comes to you questioning why do i desire what i desire as a person as an individual as a man and saying, hey, you know, I'm eating crap too much. There's a solution. It's not going to be bad for me. It's actually, I'm going to get educated. Going down that path, you got more educated, right? Yeah. And, I, and for some reason, United States of America especially is, is kind of terrified to go look in that accountability mirror and say, what the hell, you know? Am I, am I a digital surf? Am I a freaking just living an interface surface level life? Yeah, we all have. I'm the biggest. I'm the biggest rent seeker there is. I admit it. Call me out, but I'm not anymore. <laughs> Why were you a rent seeker? Well, because we do. We all, we've all rent seeker. We all want to be knowledgeable. We all want to be smart. Mm-hmm. It's an ego thing. You know, we get to rent seek somebody else's prescription mm-hmm. in life. We get to rent seek somebody else's techniques. We're afraid to go out there and do it on our own and be a true individual sovereign type of person. We're not taught to do that. We're taught to be institutionalized. We're taught to follow the rules. Well, they know all this stuff. They have big, deep psychological studies. And so once that crosses over into our food industry, into our nutrition supply, you know, they're gonna play on that rent-seeking behavior. A lot of guys that moved to Austin, Texas. I was one of them when I was younger. Rent seekers. Austin's cool. It's trendy. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. You know, they're not moving to bumfuck North Dakota. They're moving to Austin for a reason. Guilty. Yeah, we all are. And there's, it's okay. You know, acceptance is the key here. You know, let's put it in perspective. Like I said, it's okay to be a rent seeker. It's okay to call yourself a rent seeking cuck. But once you do that freaking say okay i'm gonna change now though let's do this together let's all spread the word and admit that we're dumbasses (laughs) (laughs) right exactly let's have have the humility to admit that we don't know anything exactly let's admit that we've been freaking scammed right it's Uh it's hard for people to admit it there's a there's massive cognitive dissonance out there i always say cognitive dissonance is a bitch and i think it's a mental illness that we've been you know we've evolved into I think it was Mark Twain said, you know, the easiest thing in the world to do is to uh, lie to somebody. Yeah. The hardest thing in the world is to convince them that you lied to them. Yeah. It's people don't want to understand they've been lied to. I'm going to turn this off real quick. I don't know why this is on. But it's so obvious too. Like, 
particularly with food, education. We've all been indoctrinated. Money. Like, like I love <clears throat> your Twitter account because you post just, like, pre-1970. It's people on beaches looking yeah. thin, fit, happy, not a care in the world. And then, like, today you get, like, the your stereotypical, like, CNN, MSNBC, like, fat shot of everybody, like, <laughs> head and below, just, like, looking terrible. It's Yeah, we're, you know... And those pictures aren't hard to find. You know, I, I can scrape the internet pretty well. That's kind of what I do. You know, I worked in intelligence in Austin in the telecommunications lab. So I learned some skills, but it's not hard to see what I'm talking about here. Why do we choose as individuals not to go out there and pursue the same thing? It's like people are really, I mean, it, why is it such a white elephant in the room? You know? Yeah, well, it's like that, that Mark Twain line, the mass of men. He lied a quiet desperation, and it's. I think that's been, yeah, very. It's been exacerbated over the last few decades. Yeah, we're <laughs> captured in a way. You know, it, it it is something. It's an emotional struggle. Struggle. You know, we are living, especially now, the last two years, we're living in a type of quiet desperation. That's. It's basically you can't be willfully ignorant anymore, and you're really going to have to take some intentional action. That's based on virtue and value and truth. And if you don't, don't and see what happens because what's about to happen is we're about to have a, a nutritional starvation humans have never seen. See, this is, it's a scary thought. It is. Why, how is it happening? Well, let's, let's go back to, let's really frame this in something that's smart and responsible when we were all Bitcoiners and we say money was devalued after 1971, we went off the gold standard. So, you know, it was happening before that. Whenever you devalue energy, I just summed everything up right there. What do you mean by that? Well, devalue energy, devalue your money supply. Well, everything that touches that money supply, guess what? It's going to be devalued. How are things devalued? By deception. Whenever you start a process of, of deception, the chain of deception has no end. Mm-hmm. There is no scarcity to the deception. The only thing that you can hope to pursue is getting back to the value of once was. That's why I talk about the source of the seed. That's why I talk about the harvest of deception. Everything that we touch as Bitcoiners, we're starting to see basically the harvest of deception in, in our money, but we have to start looking at the, the harvest of deception in our nutrient supply. What is wrong with our nutrient supply? Well, we already see the, the manipulation of protein, pure animal protein. You know, we, we say, oh, I'm a meat eater, I'm a meat eater. Well, where are you getting your beef, right? Mm-hmm. Some of that beef has already been compromised and in, they know how to do it. In what ways? Well, just the chemicals, the antibiotics. It's really not the antibiotics. Really, it's the hormones and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, where's your, where's your beef coming from? You know, you have three types of kind of on the overview of it. You have three types of beef supply. You have the factory feedlot rancher, mm-hmm. and those are the that's the shit meat, yeah. basically. Then you have the guys that kind of ride the fence. They do a little bit of this and they do a little bit of that they try to stay away from the chemicals but they still inject some chemicals then you have the organic guys that basically stay away from everything unless maybe they have to get a little antibiotics whenever the calf is you know young Hmm. and they stay away from any type of chemicals 
So in our beef supply, that gets pretty spread out. It spider webs out in a lot of different directions, from age of cow to type of cow, to where it's raised, to where it's transported. What is its lifespan? Why is it being harvested at 11 months instead of 24 months? There's a lot there that we're not talking about. So what I'm looking at is pure delivery of pure animal protein of beef. And I'm getting to the source of the seed of that. Yeah. Well, it's important. Uh, it's, well, again, it's scary, right? Because, like, how bad is the situation, like, in terms of the supply chain of our nutrition breaking down? And can it be salvaged? Well, it, it can be salvaged. doesn't matter who you are. I have some good connections, uh, some very educated, very strong um, individuals, uh, Dr. Sean Baker, he's on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Phil Ovedia, he's a heart surgeon. You know, those guys are changing. They're changing their way. They, they, they do things in the medical field. They have clients that have been obese, morbidly obese, diabetic, and they've gone to a pure animal protein type of diet. They're great. Mm -hmm. I like to look at as far as going down that uh, path of destruction with our nutrients, it's not too late. But the individual that is complicit in going and not doing anything about it is too late. Go ahead, eat your fucking pizza pockets and your chicken tendies and see where you end up. Because that food supply that we've gotten to, as far as being 78% obese and overweight, and one out of two of us are diabetic or pre-diabetic in the United States, that's about to be multiplied by at least 10% within the least next five years. It's fucking disgusting. What is like the, what is the main, does anybody even have an explanation for that explosion? Like nobody, like, I mean, I know we do, but like what is right. the mainstream narrative of why everybody's getting fat and diabetic? The mainstream, they blame it on the person. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody talks about that our, our taste buds have been hijacked. Because you've got these mad scientists that know how to create chemicals that create that next... That dopamine. Yeah, that's, that's the same thing as, you know, you know in time we're on social media, whatever, you know, a like or whatever. It's the same thing with our taste buds. And so they're going to blame it on... Why do you... You know, I, I don't like... <laughs> I like to call bullshit when I see it. But you look at the diet dietitians and the nutritionists and we're... Where are they, uh, who, who are they being fed by, you know? Who are they really? Their, their industry has to recreate itself every 13 months now, doesn't it? There's always a new nutrition plan. There's always a new diet to follow. So there's a lot of corruption, you know, associated with our corrupt food supply. So it's hard to get out of that web of lies I see and in, in and people being institutionalized or people that, you know, are educated, you know, they're going to follow that educated path instead of looking at saying, hey, I, here I am. I come from Texas. I come from beef land. You know what? I cook with a cast iron skillet. <laughs> it doesn't have to be complicated, like I say. But we, we want to really glorify everything. We've got to have all the, you know, it's 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 fake value once again well, yeah, and it's driven by like a an academic class behind the scenes who wants oh, to yeah. dissect everything and that, that's the other thing it's like it's layers of perverse incentives one of which is like the academic paper 
fucking yeah and, and how people are incentivized to write certain things because yes. that's what will get funded like, yeah yeah it, it, and it goes so deep um and I don't even choose to go there in depth with the academia side of it because it's going to be an argument you can't win because you're going up against academia. And you're going up against that fucking uh, deceptive money, which can just yeah. be printed out of thin air and thrown at this shit. Well, it's done every day. I mean, you know, you have the University of Texas here. How, how captured is it? How captured are our agricultural schools in the United States? Well, from my limited knowledge, which is not that limited, they're pretty captured. <laughs> Why are they captured, though? You know, it's not because everybody's bad. It's because we have a, you know, we have a USDA, we have an FDA. You know, we have these organizations and departments in the United States government. Basically, they're pretty corrupt within themselves. Yeah. And this leans back to like the cognitive dissonance. Like how many times do we have to see the FDA, particularly maybe the USDA. I'm not well versed on their history of fucking up, but like mm-hmm. they've approved things that have killed people, opiate crisis. Yeah, you can argue like uh, I think there will be a retrospective on the last 18 months and the uh, vaccine rollout that that'll paint the FDA in a bad light as well. Yeah, um, but people forget. You know, I, you bring up everything you say is very extremely solid. People don't remember what their lives were two years ago, and they know that people don't remember what their lives were two years ago. The chaotic structure of our social engineering that's going on is, is something that they leverage against us, and that's why I, want every, I always tell everybody, start living like your fucking grandparents did. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, you know, they, they, they were based on survival. They were based on decentralization of for sourcing their food for once. And they um, basically, you know, they had a party line system built up. They got rid of that centralized mindset. They got, they separated themselves from being victim of being too smart, being too educated, having too big of an ego, you know, not being humble, basically a little humility to the plate. And let's, let's try to bring that back to understand what food really is. Food is the only reason any of us are going to make it. It's, Bitcoin's not going to be it. Bitcoin's a tool that we're going to use and we're going to leverage. But from here on out, we better start thinking about our nutrient supply first. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, that was one of my favorite parts about <clears throat> the newsletter you wrote a couple of weeks ago. Like, and that's something that's since you wrote that has become a topic on here with Alexander Leishman. We talked about it. Um, and a couple others over the last couple of weeks, like it is a tool you have to leverage it. Yes. Hodling is virtuous and is good, but you, you have to tap into the potential of this distributed network and allow it to begin working in tandem with tangential, uh, movements like the nutrition movement. Yeah. Why aren't we bringing every angle of our life into it? Yeah. That's what it's there for. It, and it's fun to talk about it, and we all <laughs> enjoy it every day. It is. It, it gives us power. It feels makes us, us feel empowered. But you know, I was in the, I was here in Austin, young when I was young, whenever the internet was coming up and online software and everything. And there's there's phases of adoption that we go with technology. Mm-hmm. I feel like within Bitcoin, we're at that phase right now. I think this month we're going to start seeing some some movers and some shakers that are getting off their ass and they're going basically toe to toe with what they've been talking about and they're going to start delivering some stuff. 
I have that sense that it's about to start happening, and that's exciting because we we can't just talk about it anymore. And the people that do talk about it, you're going to get left behind. <laughs> so let's get like some concrete examples here, if we can. What do you What do you think, and Link? Well, you know, I, I got into the beef initiative because I, I looked at it because I went on harvest. And I embedded myself into a harvest company. I didn't know where it was going, but, you know, from my background, my ancestrals, everything, I knew something was really screwed up. And I knew that the only way I was going to do anything was to take action, boots on the ground type stuff. So I embedded myself in a harvest company for about six to eight weeks. And I went out to the Midwest and I, you know, I interviewed freaking ranchers, seed guys, harvesters. I did it all. Well, I got back and I said, how can I get this story out there? How can I take action? So I said, well, I come from beef. I come from beef land. I come from Texas. So well, this is a perfect little you know, leverage I can bring into the Bitcoin world. So I've got to find out how I can get these guys that are already living a decentralized life, being the independent farmer, rancher. How can I get them understanding bitcoin Mm -hmm. how can i get everybody that understands bitcoin to understand the decentralization that beef is already doing right now so i said i need a tool i need something out here so i start you know researching and everything and i've I've talked to a lot of people and there's there's a new (laughs) i believe a mover and shaker you know in the bitcoin space it's it's the oshi app Mm -hmm. and it's leveraging bitcoin the power of bitcoin you know on the lightning network and it's, you know, it's about to come out. Uh, Michael, he just got here from California. He's kind of like you. He moved to Austin to, you know, be a part of the Bitcoin scene and everything. And so we've been in some discussions. And um, he's working with Kyle Murphy, Bitcoin Bum. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's some stuff going on. And I was at a <coughs> conference last night, you know, at the Capital Factory. It's a lot of good information coming out. Yeah. No, I, we were talking about the Oshi app before. It looks right. Uh, it looks very promising. I guess so it's essentially uh, like a Groupon or maybe even like a Fold app, but for more local businesses to, to stimulate the local small business economy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, what it, I think, you know, they're going to bring it to a lot of restaurants here in Austin. I think that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's smart because you know, restaurants touch a lot of different types of people as far as from, you know, producing to getting their their goods and services and everything. So I think Austin, you know, restaurants will be a great place to start. And it, it can be like a Groupon. It can be something like that. And a lot of these people already use the POS system. You know, the Groupie app is not really going to be that much different. Mm-hmm. They don't have to store everything in Bitcoin. They can put their 2.7% that they save by not getting that processing fee. Keep that in Bitcoin. Use your fiat how you have to use it to run your business. But they're already making money. Plus, they're going to get sats back on every purchase. The user that uses the app is going to get sats back. The vendor is going to get sats back. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting, you know, something that's, a, you know, come to light and it's come to light pretty fast. Yeah, and it's God damn, it's desperately needed. The de- demolition of the small business sector in this country over the last two years has been astonishing to see. Yeah, and that was by design. I think I read something, 40% of small businesses aren't going to come back. It's so fucked. Yeah, and they had success with it. And one thing, whenever I was younger in Austin, small business is all we had in Austin. We didn't have this corporate stuff here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a movement that it stayed that way. South Congress wasn't all... Uh, no. was <laughs> all like no. Lululemon. And- well, South Congress used to be, you know... The red light district. Yeah, that's so right. it's had a lot of different uh, <laughs> stories behind South Congress, but um, 
you know, Austin is very innovative. The small business innovation here is very, very intelligent, mm -hmm. very progressive. And I, I don't see any way it would fail here with, you know, the OSHA app and bringing people on. I think it's going to be a huge freaking snowball event. Yeah. So. Well, one thing you've mentioned twice now that I definitely want to touch on is their plan is working. It's design. And that's another topic of conversation that's been pretty consistent over the last couple months on this podcast like is what has happened over the last two years just a mass incompetence or is there malice and intent behind it uh i've said it on cedric's podcast i have to come from truth and the truth that i know and the truth that i've researched because like i said i've got some access all of this that we're going through has been maliciously planned for at least a decade mm -hmm. this phase of it and that's all I'll speak to is this phase of it. There was a lot of consolidation that happened in 2012 to 2013 area. And so the last eight to 10 years, basically, yeah, sure, it was planned. A lot of it was reactionary based on human adoption and compliance in, the, in, in the basically how we desire what we desire. So saying that... They've had a plan for at least 10 years to basically create a carbon credit economy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're in Glasgow, Scotland right now. hundred I think I misquoted on a, the earlier podcast. I looked back at that. It's 197 countries is what it is. And what they've done is they've all been rounding up these countries and <clears> thousands <throat> of corporations across the globe saying, you're going to go for this. And so we're going to redefine what is hazardous in this world? We're going to redefine the causes of that hazard, and we're going to say, okay, if you use these hazards anymore, you're going to be penalized as a corporation and as a country. And it's all being done basically by all this false money printing that we've gone through. The Once again, another phase of fake value that we're trying to create to create a new fake economy and it's going to be a carbon credit economy and they have plans that nobody freaking understands well it's extremely scary and again like so you're talking about glasgow cop 26 whatever the fuck they're calling it right and uh you had like justin trudeau up there like we're gonna phase out yeah uh oil and gas like in canada by 2030 we're gonna lead the world you have joe biden Saying similar things, but then also going begging Russia and OPEC for to pump more oil out of the ground. Right. Do you think they can succeed? I think success to them. They're on a you know, unfortunately, they're on a low time preference way of doing things. Right. They know everybody else is playing, you know, living a high time preference, low value way of doing it because they're engineering that. And people fall in lockstep and barrel with it. So what we need to understand is if they Let's, let's look at the beef industry. If they can um, have 20% 20 20 success in destroying the beef industry, they think they've won. What they do after that destruction of the beef industry is they take two steps back. They give you a little room to breathe. They see how you're going to react next. What innovation you're going to bring at us so we can destroy you again. Mm -hmm. They're on a longer time frame than most people even understand or will give them credit for everybody's very reactionary and they're thinking we want it here and now we want to see you know we want to see the explosion right in front of our face it's not like that it's a drip mm -hmm. approach mm -hmm. so yeah they're going to have success 
They're going to have massive success. And we're going to lose a lot of people's basically understanding what freedom is, understanding what true value is. You know, we got Meta, that fucking Cuthbert, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you know, that's going to be talked about for years to come, but we're calling it out right now. That's a bad thing to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, Matt, gonna, Matt and I had like an hour long discussion at the end of the podcast. Say, yeah. like, I don't want to live in the pod world. No. That's what they're trying to force us into. Well, in, in, in a lot of ways, in <laughs> a lot of us are already living in the past of what they know that people are going to react to what they're about to bring to us. They know people are going to get into the meta. They know, because they're, they're going to use it as advertising marketing, they already are, that you want you, you're adopting the meta because you need to take a break from reality. <laughs> How <laughs> fucked up is that? Right? It's this form of weird nihilistic escapism that sure. we should be running away from, not running toward. And like, like you said, yeah. you know most people are going to run toward it because... Again, the mass of manly lies of quiet desperation. There and you, you can, go. You can construct a perfect life in the metaverse if you want to. And in, in, in the trillions of dollars that are going to be making be made off the metaverse is going to be just something that's. It will help Bitcoin in the long run for sure, mm -hmm. because it's such a, you know, a pursuant of fake value that is is it has no integrity to it. Truth wins in the end, and this is what I always have to tell people and make all of us understand that, yeah, we're, we're battling right now. They're going to have successes. I'm not worried about that because what happens when you have – and it's a form of prohibition that we're going through in life right now with a form of prohibition that they're giving to us, prohibition of freedom basically. With mass prohibition, you have mass innovation, it's, you know, it's the cause and effect. It's the yin and yang of life. Yeah, it's a forcing function. Yeah. It is. It really is. So I, I welcome everything that they're doing right now. I will, in, you know, I'm not that guy out there busting his ass right now, raising those hundred head of cattle. <laughs> I feel for them. But I try to make them understand this is good for us. This is good for you. We just have to weather the storm, and we have to basically – play a game of fifth generation warfare that they're playing mm -hmm. in a way that you don't understand let me help <clears throat> you understand that because we always play a different you know chess game than somebody else is playing yeah and bitcoin can play into this very oh yes very uh it can be a very strong force in this long-term game yeah it, it it already is in one thing that has held us up is having that I hate to say utility, but having that layer that we can access down into that value mm -hmm. of the Bitcoin, you know, protocol, basically. So I think that it's already there. We just now we have to go out there instead of uh, talking all day on Twitter. We have to go out there and say, hey, I want to go have a conversation with this with this local producer. I'm going to go down to this restaurant and say, hey, are you accepting the Oshi app? Yeah. You know, we have to start doing that now. And we all have to have a good dialogue when we do that. We can't just say, do you take Bitcoin? That's not the way to do it. No. And you can't, you, you have, you know, you have, you have a minute or two and it doesn't have to be a sales pitch. You never leave with the product. You lead with the, with the value. Mm -hmm. So. And how would you pitch? I want to just tell people to say, Hey, you know, 
I'm going to, like for a rancher, I talked to a rancher today. I think I, I think you know who they are, KNC. Mm-hmm. They're here. Yeah, you wrote about them in your newsletter a couple of weeks ago. I ordered yeah. two batches, two bundles of their meat. I was telling you the short ribs we had on Sunday were incredible. Exactly. He's. I mean, they're a fascinating outfit. They're right here in, in the city limits of Austin, Texas. They're doing regenerative farming in Austin, Texas. They're doing a lot of production. And the way I, I hate to say pitch whatever you want to call it, educate, mm-hmm. share value. I just told them, I said, man, I want to expand the way you're doing, the uh, way you're decentralizing our food supply. You've been doing it for a long time. I want to give you a new tool. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm-hmm. And so how do you see Bitcoin fitting into this? Further? I see basically for, let's say, for the beef, for the local suppliers, they get to leverage that 2.6% that they don't have to pay for fees. That's mm-hmm. the first step right there. Plus, they get to be into a localized food production, uh, localized demand structure that they've been having to live through uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, all that kind of centralized social media stuff. Mm-hmm. They can start circumventing around that. And by starting with something like the OSHI app, we'll build another layer on top of the Bitcoin network. That's coming. We all know that as far as communication structure, mm-hmm. maybe creating a ledger of local suppliers in certain regions and everybody can just start tapping into that. You can do all of your transaction, all your communication through that structure. Yeah. Like something like the Sphinx. There you go. You can set up that's a tribe. exactly what I was about to say. Local tribes and all that. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what food should be. It should be local tribes. You know, we had those guys in Nebraska that did the $300 million, you know, they raised $300 million to combat JBS. With the slaughterhouse, right? The slaughterhouse, yeah, the processing plant. Mm-hmm. I, I commend them for what fighting the system. But, you know, Joel with Untap brought this up as well, and we kind of shared a tweet. He was the first one to the punch to say it, but I commend them. I, I think they're going about the wrong way. With $300 million, they could have done 300 processing plants. That's what we need to start understanding. Mm-hmm. We need to have four processing, five processing, six processing, 10 processing plants here in the hill country. We don't need one. We don't need two. We need to spread it. We need to be tribal about this. I, I, I completely agree. And there was a podcast, I forget, it was like three or four weeks ago, maybe on Rabbit Hole Recap, because I saw a rancher in northern Texas come out and saying like they're making us euthanize cattle and euthanize yeah. goats and yeah, because they can't get to the slaughterhouse because nobody's working at the slaughterhouse. It's like, all right, at what point do we just stand up as American citizens, as citizens of Texas even, and just say, all right, we're not euthanizing this, this fucking mm-hmm. nutrition uh, because there's some red tape about getting to a slaughterhouse hundreds of miles away. Like at what point do people just start disobeying peacefully spinning up their own right. and just doing it? Like, well, you know, it's a good way we can do it peacefully on Saturday mornings. What is everybody doing here in Austin, Texas? I used to, you know, nurse a hangover, <laughs> get ready for the next one. Possibly what we can do is on Saturdays, let's change our lifestyle a little bit. Let's on Thursday or Friday, you're looking at the TV, Texas Beef Initiative, you're finding a place to go source your beef. You're going to go out to the hill country. You're going to go out to Fredericksburg. You're going to go out to Lionel. You're going to go out to Bernie. You're going to go somewhere, and you're going to find a, a producer. You're going to shake their hands. You're going to look at them and say, hey, how can I help you? Besides buying your beef, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Then you're going to talk about Bitcoin a little bit. You're not going to go, I love HB. HB kept me f- 
fed for many years. But you're not going to go to HB to get your animal protein anymore. That's one first step right there. And it's not that hard. And guess what? You can, if you got the money, stay in the B&B, get an Airbnb, whatever. Go discover the hill country. Most people in Austin don't get out enough anyways. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. You know, go down to the restaurants here and say, hey, where are you getting your protein from? Where are you getting your beef from? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not getting it from KNC? Well, actually, I think you probably should. They're on the Bitcoin network. Are you on the Bitcoin network? There's so many tactical ways we can start doing this where we don't have to be complicit in, in us being basically our, our spirits being stolen by a lack of nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, that's what's been going on. It's been going on for decades now. It's called out. There's not a lie. This is all factual. And we have to look in the accountability mirror and we have to look at ourselves and we just have to say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take one small step here. I'm not going to freaking consume canola oil anymore. It doesn't have to be across the board, man. I, I went on harvest. I ate like shit for six, six weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I just road trip 500 miles yesterday. Guess what? I had a pretty shitty fucking burrito from, you know, a place I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not going to do it today. You know, so the small steps, just like you said at the beginning of the cast, there's, there's so many things that we can do to where we don't have to be violent about this. I'm going to be violent with my freaking emotions mm-hmm. and with my, I'm going to be violent with my research and with my delivery of that information, like we're doing right now. And I'm being pretty tame. I probably won't stay that way, but people, people need to wake the fuck up, especially us Bitcoiners. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a call out. It really is. You can't touch me. Nobody can touch me. I've got my decentralized life going. You know, I, I don't have any fiat debt. I'm pretty covered on my side of things, and I don't talk much more of that about the Bitcoin, you know, value of my life. What Bitcoin to me in my value right now is the philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody needs to take that responsibility and quit being a parrot and get out there and it just not talking about it, but incorporate it into your nutrition. Remember, you're. If you have freaking 100 Bitcoin and you're eating crap food, that 100 Bitcoin ain't going to freaking taste so good now, is it? No. When you can't do anything except there, consume, you know, and just keep on consuming. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, there is that contingent on Twitter just sits there and they yap, yap, yap. Sure. Um, and I'll probably get yelled at for calling them out, but let's say. <laughs> well, it, it, let's, let's say it's not a, it's not a judge. It's not, it's busting your balls. If you can't take your balls being busted, go home. Right. Mama, mama, she'll yeah. be there. Grow a pair. Yeah, it's, exactly. You know, you, you're eating too much damn soy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll be first in line to eat Bill Gates, soy burger. Yeah. And they're going to, that lab grown meat, it's lab grown meat. You're going to like it. Yeah. That fake commodity. Yeah. They had success doing it. 10, you know, 10 times so far, hundred times so far, let's do it again. How much do you know about like Bill Gates and why he's buying all this farmland? You, have you looked into that at yeah, all? Yeah, of course I have. He, he basically, they've, they've killed the land so much to 
where they're taking our food supply won't even need dirt anymore because they know they've destroyed the dirt with the herbicides and pesticides. Bill Gates likes to touch everything. He likes water supplies. He likes the soil. He likes the food. He likes to, he likes to cover up the sky. He likes to inject poisons into people. We all know this. So whenever, you know, you got to, I was talking today, we have some ranches in the state of Texas. You have the Four Sixes Ranch, monumental, historical heritage, traditional Texan ranch. You know, it got about bought out by a bunch of billionaires. Well, there's shell companies all over, and that's what Bill Gates uses. He's trying to squeeze out the food supply to where he can control the food supply. Quarter of a million acres, he's the number one that owns that. In the big picture, yeah, that's a lot of acres. But what he gets to do, he gets to leverage the narrative. The mm. land is great. It is. And that's, he's got it. So congratulations, dipshit. But he, he, he's not going to have that much leverage because his product, if we don't take action on that product, it's not going to mean shit. We can, we can stop it really fast. They think that they have leverage because he's buying this land. Um, and they're going to get more because people are selling out. There's a ranch up in the Panhandle, and it pisses me off. It's 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 eighty thousand acres, and they're selling the ranch for two hundred million dollars. <laughs> okay, that family had that ranch for hundreds of years, and this family now is selling it. And I won't say their names, but they're buying into the damn psyop that's going on with these billionaires buying up all the land in the United States. What 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 are they buying into? What's the pitch or the as far as them selling it? Yeah, like why would they sell it? Oh, well, because they live a fiat mindset. Mm -hmm. That's why. They lost the source of their seed, of their heritage. That's why. Because that's based on fake fiat value. They're going to say because the family's too separated. Bullshit. They don't have to do what they're doing. They're just doing it because they want to be even more rich. Yeah. Based on a fake fiat dollar. Yeah. You know, it's the same story over and over again a million times. Yeah. So. <sighs> it's infuriating. Because, yeah, like, I guess maybe many people say this, once you get into Bitcoin, you, you realize the lies that were sold to you in regards to money and the financial system and opened your eyes to begin seeing things more clearly in, in other areas of life. And, like, for me, food, and I will give credit to, to SAFE, um, mm -hmm. and, and people like yourself and Joel, but uh, safe's been beating on this for a year. Michael Goldstein as well. Like right. we fucked up the food. Yeah. Like, if you think the money's bad, like wait till, wait till you see how bad the food is. And so like years of digging into this, it's like so clear to me. And now like seeing the posturing for Bill Gates, buying all this land, mm -hmm. um, like the, the weird <clears throat> push narrative push to like eat bugs and eat this lab grown meat. It's like, so like they're trying to, mm -hmm. And the demonization of the cow and the cattle. I saw, I think, yeah, I think I saw a picture of somebody muzzling a cat, a cow to like collect their burps or well, something like that. You know why they, you know, actually methane doesn't come from cow farts. It comes from them burping. The people don't know that. That's why they came up with that mass. So watch out for the narrative. They're going to come at it and say, oh, we built this mass because, because of the, the excess of methane coming through the burping. It is completely asinine. It, like what's going, like. Cows have been on, cattle, bovine creatures have been on the planet 
<laughs> for most of its existence, right? Well, in, in once again, perspective, right? Yeah. We have to go fence to fence with everything that we do now, don't we? Well, no, we don't. We don't have to be industrialized. We can have as, we have, okay, here's perspective for people. 248,000 registered farmers and ranchers in the state of Texas. We have 14 million cattle just in the state of Texas alone. Okay. That doesn't have to change. What has to change is the way that we are raising the cattle and how we're producing, harvesting, and supplying the cattle. How it's being done right now is being driven by a chemical company. The cows become basically the recycling of the, basically the product of GMO-based grain. Mm -hmm. So they've taken the cow out of the picture. They know they can take the cow out of the picture now because they have a fake commodity protein that they're going to start pushing onto the world after Glasgow. You're already starting to see a little bit. So that, that's the whole thing, to demonizing the cattle. That's easy now because everybody's, not everybody, but people are believing the narrative. And, you know, that they're going to believe that the world is coming to an end, that the climate is in danger. There is no climate emergency freaks. No, there is no climate emergency freaks. There it's, is it's, none. It's, it's, it's a psyop. It really is. It, 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 whenever I was young, it was, you know, it was, I can't even remember. First it was ozone, then it was ice age. It's been ice age, ozone, then it's been acid rain. Acid rain. I can't remember how many times it's changed. Yeah. Well, they've known that each time. And one thing that, that they never could leverage, we weren't as centralized. We are so centralized now with everything that we do with our data. And that's part of the, you know, developing a carbon credit economy is that it's going to be full on digitization of our food. They're going to get data, real time data analytics after our, after our consumption. That's what they're, that's what they're truly going for. Yeah, it's like global communism. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I mean, it's one world food grip. You've heard me talk about it. I've, you know, I get red in the face talking about, Oh, whatever. We've been hearing this one world, bullshit for a long time but it really is think about that one world food group that decreases the amount of food regional food that you consume and it's basically you know let's let's take a you know a thousand food choices let's knock that down to a hundred food choices and let's frame it that that hundred food choices is going to be 10 times better for you than the thousand food choices that you had in each region of the world despite uh all the bad information we've been feeding you for decades, which has led to a fat, obese society. Trust us this time. Yeah, trust us this time. Um, thanks for taking the vaccination. Uh, thanks for, you know, having three heart attacks. Thanks for being 200 pounds overweight. Thanks for having diabetes. We're going to save you now. We, we finally figured it out. We, we might have been wrong a little bit, so we're sorry about that, but we're going to get it right this time. Trust us. Yes, trust please us. trust got us. It. Here, just take this. Insulin. Um, it's <laughs> cognitive assistance is a bitch. It really is. It's scary. Like how? Like so, we're gonna solve this with distribution, a distributed network of in Bitcoin and distributed farming and nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume the like winning this battle that we find ourselves engulfed in is gonna. Take a grassroots effort as well. Like it's in, the only way it's going to happen. Individual, Sorry. To individual, and it doesn't have to just be in Texas. Everybody out there, anywhere you are, I've I've had uh, 
people contact me from Switzerland. I've had people contact me from England, from France to Australia. The stuff is picking up steam. So what we do here in Texas in kind of really in Austin and, you know, where I'm up in the panhandle, it's going to scale out. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be that difficult to scale out because it's just not in America that they're trying to do this, which is, which is very, very important to point out. This is just not an America thing. This is a world thing. And across the world, believe it or not, everybody loves their beef. That's why, you know, that's why I wanted to focus on beef because it is the best nutrient supply of protein that you can get. And it is global. So that's something that we have in our favor that they're trying to make this one world food group. And, well, we've got something, too, that's one world. We've got animal protein. And we know how to harvest it. We know how to supply it. We know how to process it. We know how to raise it. And we don't need any of your help, and it's already being done. You just don't realize how much it's being done. And that's how the Bitcoin kind of comes into it. You asked earlier, guess what, man? It's it's exposure. It's exposure to valuable information and expertise and tradition and heritage that's been around a lot longer than these corporations have been around. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to understand. Well, and again, like the truth shall prevail. There you go. we have truth on our side, particularly when like the whole narrative that like cows are ruining the environment blows my mind, especially mm-hmm. when you go on YouTube and you watch like regenerative farming yeah. videos, you're like, they're literally making the world greener. Like if exactly. you, if you, if you fucking heard them the correct way, like yeah. it's the exact opposite of what people are putting out there. Like they can gr- make the earth significantly more green if you just utilize them in a correct fashion. Yeah. And you know, people have no clue. Monocropping, What's monocropping? Well, it's one freaking crop that ends up in your grocery store that has zero nutritional value that basically you have to eat four tomatoes instead of one tomato. And that's monocropping. You know, regenerative, you have five different crops. It's all done naturally. Everything's greener. There are no pesticides. There are no herbicides. The reason that hasn't taken off more regulations Let's talk about regulations because sure. this is like this is this leans into like something I was screaming the other week. Like, just fucking ignore the regulations. Yeah. Like, when like again, and Matt get, gets mad at me on RHR when I push for it, but like civil disobedience. Like, at what sure. point? Like, can we embolden the the ranchers, the farmers, yeah, the other individuals throughout the food supply chain to just begin skirting regulations? Well, and that's and it is a touchy subject. It is something we have to kind of watch out because we don't want to compromise or jeopardize the people that we're trying to help as far as the producers, right? Yeah. They're smart enough to understand regulations, especially in the beef supply, uh, in the beef industry here in the state of Texas. And I'll come back to that. There's a lot of states already with the beef, local beef producers, that they're thinking about seeing how they can drop out of the USDA altogether. Mm-hmm. They have some um, micro politicians, local politicians that are finding ways where you just want to supply this beef in your small 60 mile radius. Let's see what we have to do to change a regulation. So get out of the USDA in the long run or Decrease some of those regulations to where a local supplier can be be able to supply that community, you know, that protein that they're looking for. Civil disobedience and getting kind of rough around the edges 
yeah, we can be that way. We're going to have to be that way. How we get there, I'm not for sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty, like I said, I'm, I'm ready to go toe-to-toe with anybody that wants to. I know that I'm already, I've already gotten sniffed out by certain people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've because I, I do. I have a. I, you can look at my Twitter. It's a. It's called a decentralized brain trust. I was. You know. I, I've worked in the form of intelligence before. I've got a decentralized intelligence group of people that are very smart, very intelligent. I know who's reading my stuff. I know who's seeing things. I know who's contacted me. IMF already contacted me once. So, yeah. And you know, for. Adam Curry to find that they sniffed that out that that little piece that you know aired last night. So I'm I, I'm not afraid to lead this. I'm not afraid to say, hey, just just follow along with me. Let's not jeopardize our producers, mm-hmm. but let's do it on our our side of how we know how to do it as cyberpunks, as as we know how to do it as Bitcoiners. You want to fuck with us? Come for it. Let's go. Yeah. And that's how we can be civil of disobedience. Yeah. And particularly Bitcoin and the tracking of it. Yes, Bitcoin is a public ledger, but however, like they can't inject their carbon credit system into the Bitcoin network and try to track the, the no. beef supply chain as we trade in Bitcoin. No, they can't. And, you know, we have to be a lot more proactive getting ahead of their game. That's why I'm coming out, you know, as hard and as fast as I am because Glasgow's about to wrap up mm-hmm. and we've got to get in front of what they're about to do. Yeah. And they're going to come back and get to work. Yeah, they are. They're, they're going to get their marching orders on November 12th and they're going to come hard. They're going to come fast. And, you know, Christmas is going to be jeopardized. There's going to be a lot of things that get jeopardized. I think we will have a short term food supply that is manipulated. And then they're going to come back and saying, hey, we're going to have to change the food supply up a little bit. Okay. And that's how they insert. Let's dive into that. How is it going to be manipulated? As far as the food supply chain, I, I think already in, um, it always starts in different countries before America. But they're already really doing a lot of uh, media uh, hype saying, hey, we're running out of rice already. We're running out. And they're having all these dramatic uh, sequence of events that are happening that mirror exactly what happened when COVID first came out. <laughs> people were dropping dead in the streets of China. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't remember that. Remember all those people oh, dropping yeah. dead? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, that worked out well. Well, they didn't drop dead. It was all staged. Well, now they're starting to do this in the food supply. I see it. I'm, I'm, my algorithm's picking up on it pretty hard now. And so, in it's perfect timing, we're going into winter. And you've had the administration talk about dark winter, dark winter, dark mm-hmm. winter. Well, how do you create a dark winter? The, the one thing you do is you control the food supply. And the energy supply. And the energy. And Make people that's cold, going on right now, yeah. Cold and hungry. There you go. And so, what do you do? You create suffering. You create desperation and a even more, in basically, dependency. Well, whenever that dependency gets jeopardized, let's increase the dependency. Um, With our food supply that people don't understand, it's not even the same food we were eating 10 years ago. Okay, remember that. My father was a counselor for 25 years, a chemical dependency counselor. So I heard a lot of his jargon and a lot of his education. Um, 
our food supply is no different than being addicted to basically something like a alcohol or a drug. Mm-hmm. People have to eat every three to four hours. If they don't, they're going to have a form of detox they don't understand. So what do we do? We consume more. We get another one. We get a whatever we're eating. We gotta we gotta create that. You know that's what that's what leads to diabetes, of course. That's what like people. I drive some people crazy, and I like yell at them for eating carbs. I'm like they they make you hungry. Yeah. They, they, of course they do. And you're peeking out your pancreas. I mean, you're doing all kinds of nasty stuff that you're, to your system that you don't understand. Well, they know that. So let's create a, a food supply shortage short term to scare the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. Let's see how they react whenever we open up the floodgates again to all these fake commodities. We'll get even some more some crazy ass processed carbohydrates. Well, we're going to up the consumption even more now. Let's turn that up a notch. And that's what they're going to do. By turning up that notch of basically processed carbohydrates and fake commodities, they're going to turn, basically detract the nutrient supply just a bit. Because every time you compromise your pure nutrient supply in a way that they do, you take away the nutrients. So as the marketing plans people come out and they're going to start talking about how good it is for you in every which way they're going to frame it that means that's how much shitty it is for you yeah so eat your eat your eight whole grains yeah well they you know what they're about to do they're about to say that uh now 14 grams of protein is all you need as a human huh. and what what do we actually need i do if I suck if I'm not doing 150 grams a day <laughs> and you see me i mean yeah I, i'm not like a big muscle head or anything i'm pretty fit i guess i'm slim (laughs) in more ways than one right (laughs) and so what uh you know i would say for the average person you know 50 60 70 80 i'm not a nutritionist Mm -hmm. (laughs) you got to find that out for yourself but i know it's not like 14 14 grams grams, and you know what on that a lot of that fake protein that they're coming out with fake meat you know what the the gram is on the marketing the advertising Mm-mm. 14 grams yeah it's perfect right yeah, in there's line. a reason for it eat your one lab grown yeah piece of steak a day and you'll be good well and that that goes into you know i brought up on the packaging they just um the labeling laws have now changed mm-hmm. so we're not going to see gmo anymore we're going to see bioengineering so everybody pay attention to this bioengineering that sounds a bit worse yeah it is worse but now look at the bigger frame you're going to see put this into your algorithm bioengineering is coming your way so yeah. Yeah. and whenever it's bioengineered they don't have to put it on the package anymore all they have to do is put a barcode you have to scan it with your phone. It takes you to a bioengineering website, and it'll tell you everything that's so wonderful about bioengineering. And it'll be longer than the meta terms and conditions. Yeah. So you can't. Yeah. The the fine print will be. Yeah. Hidden. Of course. And so, like, there's like a flywheel at play here too, because this food, especially if it's nutritionally uh, weak, and. Like, essentially void of any nutrition it, it mm-hmm. fucks with our psyche right it fucks with sure. our, our mental of course capabilities yeah i mean brain function of there's a lot of studies out there i mean start with testosterone start look at let's start with testosterone for men how it's taking a nosedive it's, it's scary it's, it's very scary well, what does that lead to low sperm counts yeah that's another thing that they've 
pretty much engineered. They're never going to come out and admit it, admit it. But all of this stuff is, but the most important, and I always say, you got to get pure protein to your brain, man. If you're not, you're not being you. You're not even getting to the source of the, the seed of yourself. And so, yeah, cognitively, you know, neurologically, we're, we're screwing with our heads by these, you know, these fake commodities and highly processed carbs. The only ways that they, you know, I use the word evolved, you know, our origins, whatever you want to, how you want to put it, it was done by animal protein. That's mm -hmm. it. I don't care who, I don't give a shit what you think. It was through animal protein. That's how we survived. Yeah. And it's so obvious. Yeah, it really is. And they're trying to deprive it of us. They're, they're, well, let's they're talk villain. about why would they try to deprive us? Because well, they want to cattle herd us into like digital gulags or whatever. And why would they want to do that? I don't know. That's the thing. I can't, like, why do they want this much control? It's weird. Is it? Well, it's it's a power thing. It doesn't have to go any more. It's not any more complicated than that. In the big picture of things, and you look at human race and how we've we've been shitty to each other, you know, with the the higher class, lower class, piss boys, whatever you want to call it, they've always basically put us as little games on a game board. They don't live in the same reality as we do. If you think they, they do, then you're, you're mistaken. I'm sorry. You need to study history. You're naive. Yes. And so if you think it's out for the greater good, you know, we're nothing more than playing a little game yeah. in a lot of different ways that a lot of people don't want to admit. And a lot of, it's hard for people to understand, for one, because it, it takes like, oh, my gosh, I'm really not that important, am I? No, oh, and it's multifaceted, right? That's right. why I like, Bitcoiners fucking again going back to like once you see how fucked up the money is and mm -hmm. how Bitcoin is so truthful and, and an incredible answer to how fucked up the money is and then you start exploring these other things like uh, the money, the food, the energy. Yeah. Um, forced division of the, the lower classes too. Like sure. the people who are getting played as pawns. Yeah, the, the social engineering. Of yeah, it. yeah. 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 It's, it's all, it's, it's, pervasive throughout everything well in, in, in it makes us as bitcoiners and as, as men and women that are based or trying to get based you know what it does it does for all of us i hope is that we can actually look deep back into man who who am i you know who am i and it's a tool it's a, it's, it's a portal into yourself that's always been there and we we've got to do it multifaceted in ways of getting good nutrition of course truth of course you know to to fight the lies but what i love about the bitcoin philosophy is that it's it's it enables me to be who i'm supposed to be that's the freedom that i love about it and i think that's what everybody's searching for and that people are on a quest for and so with Bitcoin, not only do we just, we just don't need to talk about it, but let, let's, uh, let's re-engineer our lifestyles and our thinking patterns around the philosophy, just not the coin itself, just not the protocol itself, but around the philosophy. Yeah. And so I, we haven't even touched on this. So you decide, you just said it, it, Bitcoin has enabled you to live your true life, like be your true self. Mm -hmm. How did you get into Bitcoin? And like, sure. were you not living your true lifestyle? <laughs> you know, here I am, I've worked in technology all these years, right? And you know, I, I heard about Bitcoin. I'm not even gonna tell you when I heard mm -hmm. about it. That's good upset. <laughs> we, yeah, we've all 
been there. But, uh, you know, I had some things that happened, and uh, I, I'm pretty beat up. Uh, I grew up in, you know, a rough and tumble type of way. I've got over 20 broken bones, and I've got about 14 pieces of metal in me. So I, I, had a, I had an accident a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, and um, I got laid up pretty hard. I, mm-hmm. I had a portal vein collapse internally. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I, I, I went down pretty hard. And so, you know, I had some time and I just, man, I fell across and I said, man, okay, you're a researcher, you're an analyst. Cause I really did. I never paid attention. I just was out doing things mm-hmm. just like everybody. And so I just, I really started reading it. And I, of course I read, you know, 21 things that happened, whatever, you know, GG, uh, what I learned, all that kind of stuff. So I just started reading Bitcoin Standard, and it just all of a sudden, here I am laid up in bed for about six weeks. All of a sudden, because I've, I've, I have a broken neck, I, you know, I had a bad accident way back too. I got, I was laid up again for about six months, which I had Bitcoin back then. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I use the time wisely. And uh, that time that I was rehabilitating and getting back on my feet, was giving me a sense of empowerment that I'd never felt before being laid up. And so the more I read about Bitcoin, the more I understood, the more that I realized that that whole philosophy of Bitcoin I'd always had, and I'd probably lost it a little bit. And so it let me find myself again, basically, as far as health. I got to recharge and revamp, um, re-engineer my thought processing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it really gave me, uh, you know, insight into something that I needed at the time. And I think we all have that story, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, here I am. I didn't have much money because I wasn't working at the time. But, you know, I think my first, you know, acquisition of Bitcoin, like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then within probably a week is 5,000. So, you know, <laughs> here we go. And, you know, it's, it hasn't changed since then. I've been balls to the wall ever since as much as I can, you know. I, 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 and I'm not the smartest Bitcoiner around. I'll tell you that. I, you know, I hodl, I DCA as much as I can. And, you know, I self, you know, custody. And so that's, and I know there, it's so much more for me to learn. And I, I have a lot to learn. Well, it seems like I have the, the core basics down pat. So that's all. Right. That's all that yeah. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, there's going to be guys out there that I'm going to learn from. And I, I can't wait to learn more from them. And I want to, I want to meet them and I want to teach them as well. And that's what the Bitcoin community is all about. Yeah. Well, you know, like it doesn't matter when you get into Bitcoin. What matters is that you're here and even, you're here, not only are you here, but you're doing something, right? You're trying to yeah. tap into the utility to, of Bitcoin to, to make the world a better place, particularly around food. Yeah, you know, I'm a Gen Xer, and you, I, I think that I'm lucky because of that, because I was with some really good startups here in Austin, mm-hmm. and I saw it happen. And we go in phases with technology, and I see, like I said before, we're in a phase of Bitcoin that, you know, things are going to basically take off. We'll... Looking back on my past when I was first learning technology and being in some really good companies, you know, those who took action won. You know, those who took action and failed, you know, once, twice, three times, they were okay, but they took action. Yeah. And I think, you know, all the younger guys out there, quit freaking overthinking this, man. Just get out there and start freaking doing something with it. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. 
how about trees? We have trees in Austin, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to cut down trees. I want to prune trees. Start a tree pruning business that only accepts Bitcoin. <laughs> right. It can be that simple, man. Yeah. Don't overthink this stuff. If it's not the right utility yet, it'll be the right t- utility in a year, two years, six months, maybe tomorrow with Oshi. Mm-hmm. You know, quit overthinking this, man. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's why I was confident to join 1031, the VC firm. I just joined that's focused on investing right. in Bitcoin specifically is because I do feel as well that we're at this inflection point where the innovation of people building on Bitcoin is just going to skyrocket because the, yeah. the ability to do so is there. And the the pressures, the outside pressures from the centralized government and the fiat world are, are such that it's creating a, a, essentially a powder keg mm-hmm. where people are going to look, like, like we were talking earlier, the forcing function of yeah. of these restrictions that are thrown on us is, is beginning to have people seek out Bitcoin yeah. and, and figure out how to make things work on a Bitcoin standard. Well, it's like I said, it, you know, they talk about dark winter and everything about what's, what's going to happen. It's time to counterpunch as hard as we can. We might not win the battle, but let's counterpunch as hard as we can. And that's, that's how I'm going into this beef initiative. I'm going to counterpunch as hard as I fucking can. <clears throat> and I'm going to talk to as many people as I can. Yeah, so let's dive into and describe the beef initiative. Sure. Um, you know, I'm up in the panhandle. I've already got a supplier up there. Uh, his name is Justin. Uh, I'm going to have him. He's about to be on unle- He's about to open up his own processing plant as well. So he's, he's raising his cattle, and, or he's got other people that are raising it the same way. And so, you know, I've been in talks with him. Texas Beef Initiative basically is getting all of us Bitcoiners together, and I'm going to create um, – a statewide ledger that all of us can get into that you can either contribute into to say, Hey, I'm in, I'm out here in freaking Corpus Christi and I've got a <laughs> local guy and I want everybody else to know about this. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be a very basic analog ledger that we create that everybody can tap into first say, this is who's doing this in Texas. And then what I'm going to do as much as I can do, I'm going to go out and talk to ranchers across the state of Texas starting off namely in the panhandle all the way down to Austin, Texas. And I'm just going to start shaking their hands, looking them in the eyes and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. This is where we are. Tell me more about you. And so by doing that, I, in my newsletter, I'm going to write about the Texas Beef Initiative every week, and I'm going to do a, a basically a highlight of every rancher that I meet and I'm going to bring in the Texas heritage and tradition of ranching into their story and into our narrative that we're creating, you know, with Bitcoin. I'm going to try to get them onboarded with basically the OSHI app and Lightning Network and Bitcoin. And once I start doing that, I'm going to ask everybody out there in the state of Texas. It doesn't even really have to be Texas, really. It can be across the United States or the world, like I said before. And we're going to start onboarding people into the OSHI app. Once we start doing that, we've basically framed a narrative that we can run with. So there's going to be a platform. It's like go to the Texas Beef Initiative to learn out how you can do this, how to onboard. This is as easy as it is. It's 15 minutes. This is your conversation. This is a ledger you can use to say, hey, these guys are out here in Bernie, Texas. These guys are out here in Happy, Texas. These guys are out here in El Paso, Texas. And so people are going to start going on that ledger, and they're going to start 
want to contribute they're also going to want to basically go out there and onboard. They're going to want to change their lifestyle just a little bit mm-hmm. to say, I need to get this animal protein because they're going to start seeing that it's going to be a requirement because about what's going to happen with our food supply. So by harnessing all that together, we're basically going to create ground zero, zero of basically pure animal protein delivery. And, you know, that's the first stage. The second stage we're going to create a very, very inclusive group of people that will never have to worry about their animal protein delivery again for the rest of their lives. That's number two. I went in on that. You're going to be in on it, and it's, it's going to happen, and it's already in, in talks. We already have started the work. So what this phase two will be is it will be a group of people that choose to get in. It's kind of like what Joel is doing yeah. in a lot of ways. And – um and basically, you know, Joel and I haven't, we've talked, we know each other, we've had conversations and everything, and everything that we're doing right now, it's not competition with each other by any means. And what we're going to do at some point in time, you know, it'll become very symbiotic. Yeah, it's like uh, Jameson Lop has a description for this in the Bitcoin world and people building on Bitcoin, it's co-opetition, it's cooperation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so don't anybody out there, don't think there's any competition going on with the beef, with what Joel's doing, untapped. None of this is competition, man. And so there's so much work to do. There's there's 14 million cows in the state of Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put them all on the Bitcoin network. Yeah. And so what does this do for the ranchers? What this does is it it. They're, they're trapped. They've always been pretty decentralized. Mm-hmm. It gives them a little bit more power. It taps into that portal law I was talking about, like me finding Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. They're going to get more creative. They're going to be even driven more to do more regenerative ranching. They're going to have new ideas because they're kind of captured mentally and emotionally in a lot of ways to where they don't have to be that way anymore. They can say, I've got an outlet here. So how are they captured? Like, why are they captured? Are they- well, they're captured by the restrictions of the monetary exchange system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's as simple as that, right? Okay. And like, so in what ways particularly? Like- well, the fees that they have to worry about. Okay. That they're scared to go out there and do regenerative farming because they don't think there's enough people out there that will buy their, their protein. They have to go that factory route. They have to go through the supermarkets. Mm-hmm. They have to do the wholesale route. When they find out that there's a decentralized group of people that want decentralization of the pure animal protein, they don't have to cater to the wholesalers anymore. They say, hey, guess what? More Wholesaler kiss my ass. Yeah. I got retail people out here. There's a guy out there in the United States doing right now, Mayfield Farms. Mm-hmm. During the COVID, what he did, he sells to people like Whole Foods. He wholesales half of his uh, business. Well, guess what? He's always known that the number one most important consumer is the retail, is his neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when COVID hit, you know who he told no to? Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Hell yeah. Yeah. So guess what? That's already a precedent in the beef industry. People know that he had success doing that. So let's counterpunch and say, hey, regenerative farmer, this is how we're going to do it. We have a case study. Let's act like the institutions now. See, we've got a study. It's been signed off on one of the biggest, you know, uh, regenerative ranchers in the United States of America. There is a pathway here. Hey, let's look at untapped growth. You want to see what he's doing? We have so much information. We have so much proof of work that's already been done that a lot of some of these ranchers don't even know. Now we're going to bring a proof of work of monetary value into this equation that they never even knew that was going to come down their pipe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he thinks like too, like can't be censored either. Like, no. If the authorities were to think like, oh, we don't like you doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, traditionally, one of the avenues they would take is like, hey, we're going to shut down your bank accounts. Nope, can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah. You know, and, and they're going to be afraid of banking. You know, they're going to be afraid of, I can't jeopardize that. Well, guess what? It's not. You're not jeopardizing anything. You can make this transaction. You can do whatever you want with that. If you have to take it over to fiat, take it over to fiat. If you want it to hang out for a while in Bitcoin, let it grow in appreciation. And then, then make that decision down the line. And we know what's going to happen with that. Yeah. You know, their business model is going to change a bit. Right. Well, that's, that's the beauty of it, right? We need to empower these people. People, people don't have respect uh-uh. For the food chain, or well, you no, know, not at all. In you, know, let's talk about food. Let's talk about the sanctity of food, how we used to treat it. You know, before 1971, and this is not being sappy traditional bullshit, but we used to prepare our food. We used to look at it in a different way. We used to worship basically being able to eat good food. You know. Just to we, pray around the table and say, thank you, God, for this meal. Exactly. People don't do that much anymore. Well, no, it's taken for granted. It's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's an afterthought. How many people got up in Austin, Texas and raced off to freaking work today and didn't even eat? And if they did, you know, it was that processed carbohydrate <laughs> that's hanging out in the freaking ugly gas coffee room that they're still in work, you know, have to work because they're not working from home, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We've, we've lost the, the, basically the value of, of what food is. And that can be a lifestyle within itself. You know, it can be, you know, I brought you a steak tonight, you know, a free one. It smells good. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to put, you honor that food now, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to think about how you're going to prepare that food. Right over there. I see that grill, Traeger. All right. I'm smoking here we it. go. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't all of us doing that with food? It doesn't, why aren't we becoming our own restaurant? Why are we not, why do we not know our butcher's name by his first name? Why aren't we looking at him in the eye because of the work that they do? You know, I just left the KNC Ranch, Colt, and uh, he, uh, he's a fascinating guy. He's a team roper, professional team roper. He's grown up. He's fourth traditional rancher. He's doing, at, you know, degenerative farming in the city limits of Austin, Texas. They move those cattle every day. He's a banker as well. He's a VP banker. (laughs) You think that boy's not got a lot going on his plate? Guess what? He eats beef every day. He eats his product every day. He's got time. He's got four jobs. And he's bringing a hell of an industry of animal protein to Austin, Texas. And he's going to be the first one that we basically, well on board into the OSHA app. So he's going to be the first rancher in the state of Texas as it goes with the OSHA app and the Bitcoin network. So we've, we've got our first customer. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I've, again, I've eaten the, uh, I've eaten the beef. Mm-hmm. I, I, I endorse it very heavily. It's uh it's fucking delicious. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell cause we don't have enough time today. I know that, but I'm going to talk to him some more and he's going to tell us everything, how he does it. I, we went and drove around the ranch this morning and, uh, how he's doing it is fascinating, man. And they're they're taking old land, they're they're recreating the land, and they're having success with it. And he just started out as a hobby, kinda, because he was in the fiat world, and he still is in a lot of ways. But he's basically doing something that I, 
I, I'm amazed, but you can look from his ranch and see downtown Austin. <laughs> so what part of this is it? South Austin or uh, he's, he's out, uh, kind of Southeast, you know, I guess mm-hmm. Southeast. Yeah. Yeah. Out there in that, you know, cause you're, you're not going to do it out here in the West. Of course, no. it's, it's a different type of soil altogether, but, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, a lot of people don't go to East Austin, especially when I was here, but for, you know, it's not too far removed from, you know, people have been doing it out there for a long time. Yeah. Maybe that'll be our Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon trip tomorrow. Maybe we'll drive out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Check it out. I think he remembers you. He remembers Kyle because mm-hmm. uh, Kyle was, uh, Kyle turned me on to him actually. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a great conversation and he understands it. I, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of explained to him is exactly what I just said here on the show. And, um, he's all in. He says, I see that. I can see the benefits of this. So it was kind of cool driving here. You know, I was watching, and and it was a story that I want to share with everybody. I drove by the airport, and basically it made me think of something. Whenever Bergstrom was being redone, basically, it was like a year long where you could bid on being part of the Bergstrom, you know, development. Mm -hmm. All these local development companies were, you know, really spending the, you know, a lot of time, putting a lot of time and money into trying to get that contract. And there's a moral of the story here. Well, you had to deliver at 1 o'clock on a certain day. If you didn't deliver your bid by 1 o'clock, then you weren't in. You weren't even going to be looked at. Mm-hmm. There's this one company, they put a lot of money into it. 105, guy comes walking up the sidewalk. They said, sorry, you missed the time. You missed the deadline. You cannot bid on this. And so it made me think about where we are in the Bitcoin world. And with these ranchers and as Bitcoiners ourselves, let's not let it get to be about 105. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So the time is now. I've proven it. KNC's proven it. Oshi's proven it. Kyle's proven it. He's going to have a big block party on December 2nd. He's about to prove it. The stuff is about to take off. Yeah. And it's it's going to be really, it's going to be exciting. <clears throat> today, I mean, I felt pretty kick-ass today, you know. Well, I got a whole we go, I don't even need that much more beef, but <laughs> I got a lot of beef now to take back to them. Well, I want to thank you for doing it because, again, it is desperately necessary. Right. Like, we're at a like, – I always go back and forth, pessimism, optimism. I'm very optimistic, but the optimism is only driven by the fact that there are people actually doing stuff. Right. And it seems like more and more people are beginning to – do stuff and that's why i want to use this platform this show for and it's again it's been a theme over the last few weeks particularly just naturally it's like mm-hmm. get up off your ass if not you then who like we need to start acting and you can do it in many different ways it does you don't have to like i said you don't have to overthink this let's let's all join in we're all on bitcoin twitter you know that's the only feed I don't have any commercials in my life. I do not watch TV. I do not listen to the radio. If it's on Bitcoin Twitter, I think it's pretty valid for the most part. You know, yeah. I'm going to get all the information I need. So we're pretty informed. We're a pretty tight group of people that are, you know, ready to go. We know what's going on. Uh, we spread the word pretty well. So if not now, when, you know, all of the cliches, and if not here, state of Texas, especially Austin, where? You know, and so it's our responsibility. I'm sorry. <laughs> you already own it. Yeah. You know, or you're going to get snuffed out and you're, you know, you're going to, 
you know, you're not going to be around. Yeah. You have this powerful tool. You're not going to use it to protect yourself. Yeah. You better start doing it now. And let's, let's do this because you understand, you know, eating beef, how, how empowering it is for you physically, mentally, you know, you are sharper, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you do a lot of stuff, Marty. I mean, you're pretty sharp. <laughs> you process you. a lot of freaking information. Could you do that on freaking Pizza Pockets and Twinkies? I no. don't think so. No, you could not. No. You'd burn out. I mean, you have to have the right environment. You have to have the right lifestyle. Yeah, it's uh, fresh eggs, bacon, beef, and coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's how we used to eat, folks. Believe it or not, that's how I was raised. I mean, that's that was it. It was always that. It was nothing else. And, you know, let's let's forget the lies. Let's just not validate the lies anymore. No, I mean, because they're so obviously lies. They really now. are. They are lies. Whenever you have somebody like Dr. Ovedia, heart surgeon, changing his whole practice so he can basically reinvent himself based on the carnivore diet, just as Sean Baker's done. Look at, look at the success that Sean Baker is having right now. He knows what he's doing. He just had freaking COVID, right? I saw him doing the, uh, the kettlebell <laughs> Day workout. Day two of COVID, he's doing kettlebells. <laughs> yeah. You think that he eats you know, a lot of processed carbohydrates? No, he does not. Uh -huh. So how much more proof do, do people need? They don't have to be as badass as Dr. Sean Baker, but, you know, they can be, you know, pretty much based, you know, like you and I are, you know, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. I'm a pretty based guy. You're a very based guy. So... Yeah. You know, so let's let's all join in, right? Yeah, let's fucking make it happen again. Let's, yeah, it's fucking time. It is. It's it's fun too. It's not a challenge. You know, I drove 500 miles here yesterday. Did a little business on the way. You know, um, it's a fun road trip. I can do it. I've done it 300 times. You know, in my life from Austin to Amarillo, Texas. Amarillo to Austin, Texas. I've done it in a day. I do it back and forth. It's 17 hours sometimes. I can do it. It wasn't a challenge. It was not anything that I dreaded. You know, I got to go out. And a lot of people have never done this, and I've done it a hundred times in my life. I got to go out and meet and shake hands with a rancher today. You know what? We talked about heritage. We talked about rodeo. And we talked about roping. We talked about banking. We talked about Bitcoin. We talked about life. We talked about our family. We talked about generation. We talked about so many things that nobody really ever does anymore. And we have to bring that shit back into our mindset first. And then we have to take action on that mindset. We have to have imagination again. We have to live in truth and virtue again. And Bitcoin can help us get us there. But you, the person, have to be the person that does that. Yeah, I completely agree. It's fucking... We need to get back to the truth. It's, Why not? Right? It's better. And like you said, like... <laughs> I was fucking unemployed when I started all this, and I haven't I haven't worked a day in the last five years. There you go. Like four years, five years, however long this has been going on. Like, how beautiful is that? And I know it's hard for people to kind of take that leap. You know, I don't work for anybody. I work for myself. I make a I mine a little fiat when I have to, but you know, I don't have any debt and anything like that. But it, life is beautiful, man. And I welcome all this bullshit this that they're trying to throw at us. It is, it is scary. I mean, I'm, I'm not discounting that. I understand how they're coming after us. And they're not as organized as they'd like to think that they are. And so what we have to do is know that individually, guys, they're not as organized as they, they want us to believe they are. So by knowing that, 
we can be very creative right now. You were creative whenever you didn't have a job and you started a podcast, right? Yeah. Was it out of desperation? A combination of desperation and... So you chose to engineer your own suffering, did you? Yeah. Before somebody else did it to you again. Yeah. Yeah. And let's start engineering our own suffering because that suffering becomes joy. It becomes truth. It becomes honesty. It becomes virtue. It becomes legacy. You go to sleep feeling content. Yeah. Peace of mind. People like, like, you, like I, I do do a lot of work. Uh, I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own ass, but like, I'm, I'm never stressed out. I, right. People ask me like, oh, you must be so stressed. I'm like, no, like not really. Like, no, it's not stressful. I'm not at all. either. And I mean, I used to get pretty stressed. You know, it was, yeah. it was rough. I'm in around the world. I mean, I get stressed in a lot of situations, you know, going around the world twice with a backpack, not knowing, you know, being in a, Parts of Cambodia is kind of different. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, you know, stress comes, right? I I don't drop me anywhere now. I'm not going to be stressed. I don't know. I can't. I don't really know exactly why. I think it is because I chose to pursue truth more than anything, and above and beyond anything. And I'm very thankful for that. And so, I look forward to what's next because it's going to be fun. It's not going to be stressful. Because I don't have that stress of fiat anxiety anymore. It doesn't worry me. Like everybody out there is worrying right now. And as we all do, because we have to. We don't want to be homeless or we don't want to have to starve. Whatever it is, we don't have to worry about that shit no more. Because it it just unfolds. Look at you. You're highly successful, very based podcaster. You know, one of my favorites by far. But... You couldn't do that unless you felt that sense of peace. Yeah, no. If you were doing it for the wrong reasons, you'd get called out. You would be called freaking, you know, LARP. You you know, (laughs) we know that. You would get called out. Let's just say that way. You don't get called out, and you balance it very well. So all of us can live in, you know, my life is, you know, a lot of ways just is in parallel with what you're doing. And so hopefully that's motivation to a lot of people out there. Yeah. Well, thank you for the kind words, number one. But two, yeah, anybody listening to this? Again, I said it with Alex Leishman earlier this week. Like, just Some of you are probably sitting there thinking, like, nah, I couldn't do it. It's not me. Like, mm-hmm. It's not for me. Like, I, I can't have an impact. You can. Like, yeah. you got to manifest this shit. Like, well, you know, and, and that's a good point. Where we start, right? What is that first step? Well, I'm, I'm giving you a challenge right now. That first step is get the OSHI app. There's going to be information coming out this week. It's going to be easy. You just freaking scan the barcode, and you're going to know how to onboard people. Go out and onboard somebody now. Because we didn't know how to onboard people in the past. Mm-hmm. Let's go onboard some small businesses. Let's go onboard some uh, ranchers, some you know local beef suppliers. Let's onboard them. And everybody can do this. It's just not, I can't do the whole state. I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I can't. <laughs> uh, we need more. Yeah, we do. We need more. And everybody can participate. And then we can all reflect back on it. I remember everybody's like, well, I was, I was the first one of Dell, you know, because Dell's a good example here in Austin. You know, there's a lot of people that can, you know, they said that with pride. I was the first one. Guess what? You can say you're the first person that got all these small businesses and small ranchers got them on the Bitcoin standard. Right. That's what that's what we're shooting for, right? And that's like 
that's one of the biggest things. People, a lot of people that do want to do stuff, they hit up my DMs like, I can't code. What can I do? Here's right. something you can do. Exactly. Right here, right now, you know, and I, I need help. I, you know, I can't do everything. I mean, do everything. So far, I have one designer. Everything else I've done on my own. As far as the research, the data mining, the scraping, everything. I've got one designer. And I can't keep all that up. So I need help. If everybody wants to join in, I'm going to be looking for help. I mean, you know, I'm going to build that platform here really fast that I was talking about. But, uh, you know, I'm going to... I'm talking to a, a podcast producer right now so I can do the Texas Beef Initiative, keep everybody up to date, you know. Hell yeah. And then talk about lifestyle and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and kind of marry the two. I'm not going to concentrate as much on food intelligence because I think I've <laughs> <laughs> I think I've laid it out there pretty well. And I don't want to harp on that. I don't want to be looking at, hey, <laughs> You want to be a one-trick pony. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do let's go Brandon every day of my life. Yeah. So if you don't, if you can't read the intelligence that I've put out there, and you still don't believe me, then have fun and everything. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and be proactive, and I'm gonna counterpunch because I know what we have to do, and I'll still bring some intelligence to everything as far as food is concerned. But I'm not gonna go as heavy into it because it basically. I'm not going to be part of the distraction by arguing the distraction anymore. I'm going to create the distraction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we all have to do, you know, because we get, you know, people are addicted to watching the news every day. People are look, you know, that's what they do. It's entertainment. I'm not going to be that. I mean, I've got enough intelligence and it's about to wrap up in Glasgow. So pawn the E4 motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jack Mullers, by the way. And think about how powerful it could be if more and more people join in. Like, mm. how many people, like, what is the critical mass of people needed to actually have a very powerful counterpunch to the people who will be leaving Glasgow on their private plans and emitting carbon in the atmosphere as on their way home? I think it's, I think that's why it's coming to the, you know, the peak right now with the narrative that I'm, I'm talking about. You know, some of the stuff I wrote over a month ago, all of a sudden people are going, hey, you know, Adam Curry just found out about it last night. So there's going to be a buzz and there's going to be a big buzz. Well, we have to be stronger or just as energized as their counterpunch that they're giving to us because we thought it was about COVID. It had nothing to do about COVID. It had to do everything with carbon credits. Yeah. That's going to come out. If you don't believe me now, you will. And so what we have to do, let's, let's charge up. And I think we've, we've got a, a lot of uh, momentum built up right now that people are a lot of vented energy that's ready to be released. So I don't, you know, they're going to be stroking each other for two weeks. You know, they're going to have a big old freaking hard on for each other for a while thinking, hey, we got this. No, we're going to start very, we're going to do a little guerrilla warfare here. We're going to do a little civil disobedience in a way they don't understand. And we're going to do it at a grassroots level. And we're going to do it exactly how what we've been talking about doing it for the last for a while, decade, whatever it is, whenever you got in. Well, Texas Slim, TC, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for coming to my house today and recording this. Hey, um, man, it was a pleasure. (laughs) I think I was talking to Prince and I said... He goes, well, you need to talk to more people. I said, well, come on, Marty, call me up. And sure <laughs> enough, yeah, I think you called me like the next day. So, 
I was like, well, that worked. So, but, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be through Zoom. I didn't know if I was going to come to Austin yet because my supplier, he's still going through his inspections. But I got really good news. He's, he's about to open up. So I'll Hell be yeah. coming this way next time soon with that full cow. So everybody can say, you better get your dibs on it now. <laughs> but, uh, man, I was very excited to meet you in person, to be here at your house. That's an honor. No, I mean, it's I not, really do appreciate that. It's an honor to have you here. I mean, you're a freedom fighter on the front lines. It's fucking. Well, we all are, aren't we? Yeah. Some of us just haven't admitted it yet. Right. No, and that's that's one thing I I got to take a step back and have a lot of gratitude just for this podcast. This is just an incredible vehicle to meet people like yourself and others. Like I'm lucky and fortunate that people want to come speak with me like, right. I'm, I'm always mind blown like when people are like oh, i'm pumped to talk to you i'm like i'm pumped to talk to you like it's fucking yeah like i'm just here behind the mic here shaking right. rancher's hands but i'm gonna be shaking rancher's hands as well so i think that uh i think you'll enjoy doing it yeah you know imagine the education that you're gonna get imagine your little boy going out there and getting to see that cow right you know well, think about that. Well, that is one thing. When we did live in Jersey, we did. We actually did. Uh, shout out to Beach Plum Farms in Cape May. Cool. We met our farmers. That's where awesome. They they raised pork, so we we got a lot of pork. We got a lot of uh, pork butt and bacon and eggs from them. But yeah, mm-hmm. we would go down there once a weekend. And, right. And he would play with the chickens and, and the pigs, and he loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I wanted to touch, and if we if we go long here, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, you're fine. But, uh, Bitcoin. Um, there's a. Basically, new documentary coming out. I think everybody's kind of seen it, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let me look at it here really quick. He said he kind of reached out to you, um, which I'm sure he has. And it's Brian. It's a Bitcoin movie. What's it called? Bitcoin movie underscore Bitcoin movie. Here we go. It's a at Bitcoiner underscore movie let me see let me see if i've seen it um if anybody's reached out to me i haven't got it back i'm sorry my um dms are in it endless well, abyss well he's got a really cool trailer that i saw and i think a lot of people probably saw it on bitcoin twitter but uh he uh started you know out there in miami i believe um i think he's going to come to austin and yeah and he's going to do the block party with Kyle. Oh yeah. And he's going to come out to West Texas and do a sequence, basically a prequel for uh, what I'm going to try to accomplish in the spring. We're going to do a, basically a Texas beef initiative documentary in the spring. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to go out and we're going to hit the road and we're really going to go and take it to the people and bring it in. And he wants to kind of get a segment of that filmed for the end of this documentary and I think maybe, probably him and I are going to work together on that documentary. I love it. Like, think about how powerful this could be if it gets out. And we just have, not only in Texas, but across the United States, across the world, people reacquainting themselves with their, their local farmer, the local but- butcher, and, yeah. and choosing that over Whole Foods, H-E-B, whatever it may be. Well, it's going to become the new desire. You know, it's like, hey, I, this, this, this is shallow to me. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I don't feel right just doing this, buying this beef, because I'm going to live rent free in y'all's fucking heads from here on out. <laughs> so you're either going to enjoy it or you're not, right? Because you're, you're going to be thinking about it next time you walk into HEB over here at Old Torf and you know mm-hmm. um, South First. Yeah. You're going to look at that beef in a different way, 
you're gonna say, well, shit, I, I was a freaking rent seeker, man. Right. You know, and I, I can't be that anymore. I mean, just look at the color of this beef. Yeah. Compared to what you, you can't get this at HEB. You will, you'll never see that. Look right. at the marbling on that. I mean, smell it. That's cold, dry, aged. I mean, it already smells like the. It smells smoky as yeah. hell already. <laughs> Can you imagine how that's going to taste? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a full pound and a half of T bone right there. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. And I, I thought, I said, how much is this? Because I have to, you know, it, it was a gift. <laughs> so it's a gift all the way around for all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to bring to everybody. Let's, let's gift ourselves now. Yeah. Well, I think you're gifting the audience with uh, an eye opening discussion about why we need to get back to. Uh, understanding our yeah. food mm-hmm. food intelligence and nutritional value of, of beef particularly of beef and you know I, i'm going to do a, a podcast it's going to be texas slims visions and it's going to be basically beef heritage tradition and a new form of lifestyle it's an international lifestyle that starts at home yeah you know well, like this is a fucking beautiful example of like there's so many ways in which you can help out like, yeah people like People that like starting a podcast, getting the message out there. You have distributed media, like the RSS feed. Adam Carey's incredible at explaining this. Like, right. What you can do with the RSS feed to distribute content that is not mainstream media to the rest of the world. We have the power today. Yeah, we do. Podcasting's proving that more and more people are using it. And it is because, like, it, we're, at, we're hitting a point in podcasting where it's, it's so popular and now they're trying to control it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they can, luckily. Because people like Adam Carey building podcasting 2.0. Right. And the fact that it already leverages RSS feeds, which you're not going to stop RSS feeds. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, in the, the way I got here, and being in technology all my life, the way I got here was through thinking like Bitcoin thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, folks. It's not that hard. Yeah. Make your life robust in all areas. Your money, your food, your information. Yeah. Gathering sources. You're going to be something that you never knew that you could be. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been kind of a badass at sorts in certain ways. And that's said with humility. A lot of that was by design and how I grew up. But now I can take pride in who I am as a person because I'm not afraid to, you know, go out there and do stuff. Well, again, thank you for getting out, out there and doing stuff. Where can we find out more about you, the Texas Beef Initiative, OSHI, whatever it may be? Sure. Just uh, Modern Tea Man on Twitter at Modern Tea Man. And then my uh, substack is initiative.substack.com. I keep it pretty limited to those two things. Uh, do a hashtag Texas Beef, TX, uh, Beef Initiative, TX. And so look at that. And if you ever need to do a hashtag food intelligence, I own food intelligence <laughs> now. So that was by design. And so you can really access me in a lot of ways. But um, if you need to DM me, just DM me on Twitter. Okay. I'll, I'll answer. Hell yeah. Well, Texas Slim, thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy the rest of your fry. It's a fucking beautiful day. Yeah, it is. We made it nice, didn't we? <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> it's like it warmed up. It's above 60 degrees You now. should see Marty, everybody. The sun's shining, and he's got this glow about him. It's, <laughs> just, it's just amazing. <laughs> I should take a picture, but I won't. We'll, uh, we'll end it on that. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Marty. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Peace and love, freaks. Get out there. Get off your ass. Let's do it.